Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. So uh, every week when, uh, when the guys are speaking, I'm always listening to what they're saying. I'm, I'm keen that we are all joined up and that we're all hearing from God. But this message this week is quite extraordinary because as Mark was preaching last week, God was dictating this message to me. And um, I want to bring this is almost like a part two for what Mark said last week. So if you weren't here or you didn't hear it, listen to the podcast. He spoke about kingdom overflow and I'm talking about kingdom seasons. And kingdom seasons overflow, of course, is a season in our life as well. But Mark, I'm going to bring three things that Mark spoke about last week, but from a slightly different perspective. And God was speaking to me so clearly, and this has been marinating in my heart all week. And I, I don't very often say things like this, but I know God has given this word to the church for today. And I don't say that boastfully. Because in the first service, I asked people who... Um, if they felt God had spoken to them and they wanted prayer to, to speak to me after the service, and many people did, and I prayed with them. So I know that this is something that God um, is speaking to the church about, and I don't bring it lightly. In fact, I probably feel more nervous today than I felt for a while up here because I know I'm accountable for what I say, and it's so important that we... Um, we are bringing what God is asking us to bring to the church, to equip the church and to build the church. And so I want to talk about kingdom seasons this morning. Um, And first of all, I'm just going to give an overview of what seasons are. And the scriptures say this in Genesis, then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night and let them mark off the seasons, days and years and let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth and that is what happened and God made two great lights the sun and the moon the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night and he also made the stars now we know that the moon doesn't have much effect on seasons the moon has its effect on tides Um, but the sun has the most influence on our seasons Um, and scripture says says uh, this sorry no let's go back to this so I I I put this picture together to help me to understand, but hopefully to help you understand how the sun influences seasons. So if you look at this, um, the the sun, sorry, the earth moves around the sun, doesn't it? And it also sits on its own axis. And if you look at the winter and you look at the summer, you can see that the full face of one hemisphere is facing the the sun. So for us, uh, when our season is supposed to be summer the full face of the northern hemisphere is facing the sun so we should get the best of the sun shouldn't we (laughs) but the other side that's not facing the sun is the southern hemisphere and they'll get their winter when we get our summer likewise over here when the southern hemisphere is fully facing the sun we will get our winter but when you look at spring and summer and the axis of the earth against the sun it's half and half isn't it so spring and summer sorry spring and autumn are our half and half seasons if you like of sunshine but summer and winter are completely or should be the 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 opposite 
I think the Southern Hemisphere get a better deal than us, but nonetheless. But what does Scripture say about that? Scripture says this, it says, As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never, never cease. And so what it's saying to us is that seasons are here to stay. Okay, global warming. But seasons are here to stay. The Bible says, and God created seasons, and seasons are here to stay. They are part of God's plan for the earth because each season has its purpose in order to maintain the life of the earth. And we could preach a whole sermon on how the sun, S-O-N, influences seasons in our lives as well. Um, But that's for another day. But there are seasons in our lives as well, and every season has a purpose. Every season has God involved in it. And it's really important that we are able to recognise the seasons in our lives, because if we don't, we will miss them. Seasons don't wait. So, for example, if you're a parent and you've got small children, If you don't invest in the first five years of their life and nurture them, you're never going to get that back. You can think, oh, well, I'll do it when they're older, but they'll never be between naught and five again. That season is such an important season in in nurturing your children and bringing up your children. And if you try and do what you should have done in naught to five, in five to ten, will it work? Or ten to fifteen, will it work? Or fifteen, it won't. Everything has its season and in its season we need to fulfil the purposes of that season or the season will go and we will miss out altogether. If we've had a failed marriage, for example, or we've left something with a bad attitude or resentment or bitterness and we don't resolve it, it will come round in the next season. The next time you start to get into a relationship, that will be the foundation of your relationship, what you didn't deal with in the previous season. And resentment and lack of trust and all those other things will be there. And sadly, you know, I've seen over the years, and I can say this with authority because I've been here for 40 years, that I've seen many, many people over that period of time come and go through the church because... And I've even seen it in my work life because they don't like something that happened or they didn't like somebody here or they fell out with somebody here and they didn't reconcile it. So what did they do? Well, they went to another church and then a year later they didn't like that person and they went on to another church. And at work I've seen people, they give up their job because they don't like something that's going on and they move somewhere else and six months later I've heard they've changed their job again and another year later they've changed. Why? Because they're not recognising and and, and reconciling things in their season that they should be dealing with. You've all, I'm all met people who think it's everybody else's fault. <laughs> it's not. It's their fault. It's just they won't. And we won't. And all of us need to recognise the season that we're in and what we need to deal with in that season in order not to drag it into another season or in order not to have it come round again in another season. You might have completely forgotten about it until many years later that season hits you again and it comes up. Because we never really dealt with it and resolved it and we carry those things around within us. It's important that we do that because seasons do not wait. Seasons are under God's command. The spring can't say to the summer, can you just postpone a little longer because I haven't finished sowing. And the autumn can't say to the winter, can you just wait a bit longer because I haven't finished harvesting. You know, whether we're in the northern hemisphere or the southern hemisphere and our days are longer or our days are shorter, you've still got to do everything you've got to do in that time. 
The night doesn't say to the day, well, I'm not coming yet because you haven't finished. You know, everything has its time and everything has its seasons. And no matter what, we have to deal with things in their season in order to move forward. And I want to look at this morning at three principles around managing seasons in our lives. And um, there are many more, but time doesn't allow. And just looking at three and looking at two of the scriptures that Mark brought and then one of the pictures that he brought at the end of his message last time. So this was the first scripture. Three days later, the Israelites, Israelite officers went through the camp gave these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant to the Lord your God, of the Lord your God, move out from your position and follow them. Since you have never travelled this way before, they will guide you. There are seasons of our life that we go into that we have never travelled before. And we need God to guide us into seasons that we've never travelled before. And I am in a season that I have never travelled before. I retired at the end of March and I've never done that before. I have worked consistently for 46 years without a break and now I haven't worked for five months. And it's fantastic. <laughs> it, people, you know, people would say, what do you think it's going to be like? I said, well, I don't know. But now I'm in this season and amazingly, amazing, so many people have told me what I should be doing in my retirement. Oh, you this and that. And then you won't even remember how you had enough time to go to work. Well, I didn't ask for any of this advice, so I'm not really taking any of it on board. <laughs> this is my retirement, and I will do with it what I want to do with it. God has made us human beings, not human doings. Life is not all about doing. Sometimes I spend the whole day reading. It's fantastic, especially if the sun's shining through. You know, this is a different season. This is a season I never had before. This is a season when I can do things differently and potentially it could be the greatest season of my life. God is no longer confined to Monday to Friday, nine to five or nine to seven or nine to nine. He's not confined to that now. This is freedom. This is liberty. This is free prescriptions. This is free bus pass. <laughs> this is pension, free money. This is... This is an incredible time and it could be the greatest time of my life. I have never travelled this way before, but it has kingdom principles attached to it. And I have to ensure that in this time, I am following kingdom principles. What are the kingdom principles that I need to cover a season of my life that I've never been before? And Proverbs says this, Blessed are those who listen to me, who watching daily at my door and waiting in my doorway. That means I am spending all my time like this. God, what are you saying? God, I'm waiting. God, I'm watching. God, I'm listening. I remember as a small child when um, I was growing up, <clears throat> my, father, my father was an incredibly disciplined man. And... Um, he used to work up in the city and every day he would come home on the same train, exactly the same train, and um, he would come into Eden Park Station, for those of you who knew it, and then walk up um, Monk's Orchard Road. And <clears throat> we used to run down to meet him from the station because we knew exactly what time he would come. We'd say, Mum, can we go and meet Dad? And the main road then wasn't a main road, so it wasn't difficult to cross. I was thinking about this and I remember when we got as far as Bethlehem Royal Hospital, we used to run past that 
bit in case a bogeyman <laughs> came out. <laughs> I still remember that. We just run. But <clears throat> I would... I would see my dad in the distance and I would recognise him and I would run to meet him. And for those of you who know that road, it's full of horse chestnuts. So we would gather conkers and we'd come home with bags of conkers. But I recognised my father. But what was it that that trip did for me? I was looking and I was waiting and I was watching for him. And what did it produce in me? Anticipation anticipation. I knew I'd see my dad coming over the horizon. It's a long straight road. I knew I'd see him. I could, if I could define him by the way he walked. I knew it was him. There was anticipation in my spirit um, when I saw him. Waiting, watching and listening cultivate anticipation. And that's what we need in a season. Um, and we might find ourselves on a path that we've never travelled before and it may not even be of our own choosing We might find ourselves being made redundant. We may find ourselves divorced or bereaved or things that we didn't choose. We might find that it's part of our own attitude or part of our poor choices. It doesn't matter what the cause of the season is. The principles are the same for navigating your way through a season. They are watching, waiting and listening. And some seasons will take more listening and some will take more watching and some will take more waiting. But it doesn't matter. They're kingdom principles and we need to apply. I don't feel one bit guilty that I'm not working. It's fine. I'm watching, waiting and listening and God is providing for me in a way that I've never had known before because I'm now getting a pension. It's fantastic. And so we need to be able to apply the principles um, of the kingdom in our season. And I've spent five months doing that, and I hope it's going to be a bit longer too. It doesn't mean that we're just sitting around doing nothing, because when you're in any season, we have to be in a state of perpetual readiness. So I'm ready. I'm ready if God says, do this, go there, say this, be that. I'm ready for that. But we need to be in a position of perpetual readiness. And you remember the story of the ten virgins and how they were waiting for the bridegroom to come. And they all had oil in their lamps, but only five of them had enough. And so when the oil ran out and the five who didn't have said to the five who did have, can we have some of yours? They said, no, we haven't got enough for you as well. And so it's important that whatever season we're in, We're not bemoaning the season that we're in, but we're keeping ourselves in a state of constant readiness for God. Timothy tells us that we need to be instant with a word, both in season and out of season. And Isaiah tells us that we need to be ready to hear and to speak a word to the weary person in their season. And so whatever season we're in, being in a state of perpetual readiness is so important. Why is it important? It's important because God is always ready. God is always ready. God is always in action, already in action, sword honed on his whetstone, bowstrung and arrow in the string. What good, what good is a blunt sword? What good is a broken arrow? What good is an, uh, a bow, uh, sorry, what good is a broken bow? What good is an unsharpened arrow? It's no good at all. God is always in a state of readiness. And so we need to be always in a state of readiness. For those of you who know, arrows sit in a quiver on your back, don't they? What good would it be if you pulled out an arrow that had been sitting there for six months and you go to fire it and it's blunt? 
We need to have everything sharp, everything honed, everything ready. And that comes with our spiritual disciplines in God. Because if we're not in a state of perpetual readiness, we will be listening to people. We will be, uh, we will be impatient in our waiting. And <clears throat> we will be listening to the wrong advice. It's so important that we understand God's understanding of listening, waiting and being prepared. We know that Jesus only did the things the Father told him. How did he understand and know what the Father was telling him? Because he spent his time watching and waiting and listening. And they are three principles that are important, particularly in a journey on a journey that we've never travelled before in, in a particular season. The second um, scripture that Mark used was this. It was harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing in its banks. Uh, we can't speak about seasons without speaking about kingdom principles of sowing and reaping. And uh, Fred used the scripture that I was going to use today as well. And when God is repeatedly saying things, it's because he wants us to hear it again. And whilst the world's economy relies on buying and selling, God's economy relies on sowing and reaping. We have to understand that principle. The world works by buying and selling. God's kingdom operates by sowing and reaping. And we really do need to understand what that means. Ecclesiastic tells us, tells us that there's a time for everything. There's a time for sowing and a time for reaping. So that means there must be spring and autumn seasons in our lives. And it's important that we remember it. Now, sowing is not dependent on how much you have, okay? And so we, um, uh, Fred used that scripture this morning when Jesus was standing at the treasury and he was watching what people put in. Rich people were putting in a lot, but the widowed had two copper coins. And Jesus said she put in the most because she put in everything she had. What does that say to us? That says to us that sowing is all about what it costs us. So if I only have 50p and I put 50p in the offering, I've given everything I had. And that means more to God than somebody who has £100 and puts £1 in because it didn't really cost them much. So the kingdom rule or the kingdom law of sowing is how much did it cost you to sow that. Now, not just in your finances, but in everything. It could be in your time or in your talents. It could be in many other things, but we're relating it here to finance. So what did it cost you? <clears throat> so being generous in a time of sowing is measured against faithfulness and measured against the cost. Now, equally, reaping in a season of harvesting God's kingdom, is not proportionate to what you've sown. And this is where we need to understand the scripture. So sowing is about what it costs you and your faithfulness, but reaping is not proportional to what you have sown under the laws of the kingdom. So let's look at the kingdom principles then. So remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide for your heart in your heart, how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide you 
all you need and then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others and one more scripture says give and you will receive your gift will return to you in full pressed down shaken together to make room for more running over and poured into your lap the amount you give will determine the amount you get back under the principles of God's law If I go into Sainsbury's and I spend £5 and Liz goes into Sainsbury's and buys the same things, it will cost her £5 too. The law of the land and the principles are in buying and selling, but it's not like that in the kingdom. The principles around sowing and the principles around reaping are not proportionate. So what is the principle then? I try to put this in a diagram for you. The principle is this. It's how much you decide in your heart to give. So the cost to you... Plus, giving cheerfully, the willingness to give. That's what generosity is. Generosity is what does it cost you and how willing are you to let go of it? That's generosity. And we talk about us being a generous church, but generosity is defined in Scripture by how much is this costing you to give and how willing are you to let it go? Because God will decide under the law of the kingdom, what happens to it by what you do with it while it's in your hands. And that is what we have to really be able to understand. So generosity then determines what you get back and it will be pressed down, shaken together, running over and poured into your lap. Let's look at another principle then. Um, For God is the one who provides seed um, for the farmer and then bread to eat. And in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. And yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. So how does being generous then become our default position? So look at it this way. God is the one who gives us the resources. He is the farmer He gives us seed to sow. So it says seed to sow, which is for others, and then bread to eat, which is for ourselves. It is not bread to eat and seed to sow. So it's not wait till the end of the month and see what you've got left and then put something in the offering. It is seed to sow first and then bread to eat. Okay, so something for someone else, something to put into sowing, something that will, according to the law of the kingdom, be something you can reap. So sow it first, then you'll have bread to eat. And then God says that his promises, his provision and increase to increase our resources and produce a harvest of generosity. But it's what happens here in the middle, while it's in our hands, that determines the outcome. And so the outcome is here, is generosity, the cost to ourselves and the willingness to release it. Where do we go wrong? Here. We eat our seed. We keep it all for ourselves and we say, God, if I've got anything left over at the end, I'll give it to you. You've eaten all your seed. You've had nothing to sow. Don't expect to reap anything because you didn't sow anything. And God makes it very clear. And the way we go wrong is we eat all our seed and then we expect God to come and fulfil his promise of provision and increased resources to us and a harvest of generosity in us, but we haven't sown anything. And it's a test of our faith. Are we willing to hold it in our hands and to sow it and to trust God for his promises? Generosity is about the willingness to release it and the willingness to trust God to fulfil his promises. If you're eating all your seed, don't expect to reap anything because you haven't sown anything. 
And God expects us to follow the principles of his kingdom. Our biggest challenge is trusting God to fulfill his promise. Now, I said that reaping in the time of harvest is not dependent on the amount you've sown in material terms, but neither is reaping in a time of harvest dependent on growing conditions. And we have to trust God for that as well. And there's a scripture here about um, talking about Isaac, and it says this, um, and there was famine in the land, and the Lord appeared unto him, that's Isaac, and he said to him, don't go down to Egypt, dwell in the land of which I tell you. Verse 12, then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Isaac was in a season of famine. Isaac was on a season of drought, and where did everybody go? Down to Egypt. What does Egypt represent? The world. And, God's, and Isaac was saying, shall I go down to Egypt? Shall I turn to the world? I'm in a situation of famine. I'm in a situation of drought. And God said, no, don't. Don't go to Egypt. Plant where you are. And Isaac sowed in the land. And did he get a small reaping? No, he got a hundredfold. You don't have to worry about your conditions. You don't have to worry about the conditions that you're sowing into. God is has all authority in heaven and on earth. He created seasons. He created conditions. And we need to just be obedient. To sow and to reap is a question of obedience. How much is it costing me? How willing am I letting it, to go, letting it go? God will do everything else. You, Isaac reaped a hundredfold in a time of famine and in a time of drought. Why did it work like that? Isaac actually also went on to, um, to redig his father's wells. So he also got springs of water in a time of drought and in a desert place. Why does it work like this? The reason we don't have to worry about growing conditions is because God has set laws in his kingdom that supersede our understanding. And these are the kingdom laws of progress. What are the kingdom laws of progress? They are this. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrim, pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, which means weeping, they make it a place of springs and autumn rains also cover it with pools. They will go from what? Strength to strength. So while you're going through a time of hardship, while you're going through the valley of Baca, God says, I'm going to make that. That could be your place of famine, your place of drought. But God says, I'm going to make it a place of springs and I'm going to make it a place where autumn um, rains will cover it because you're going to go from strength to strength. That's what anticipation does. Watching, waiting, listening produces anticipation from strength to strength. Not from strength to failure, not from strength to fear, from strength to to strength. It is a law of progress in the kingdom. And so another law is this, for therein in the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So when we are obeying the laws and principles of the kingdom, God will take us from faith to faith, not faith to failure, not faith to fear, from faith to faith. That's what watching, waiting and listening does in producing anticipation. God, in my drought, in my famine, I'm watching, waiting and listening and I'm anticipating strength to strength, faith to faith and one more, glory to glory. And we all with open face beholding as in the glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to 
to glory, to more glory, to more glory. And we, if we're living by kingdom principles, we can expect kingdom outcomes. And these are kingdom outcomes that we need to understand. Always onward, always forward in God, because God is ever ready for us. Um, the rewards of generous sowing and reaping are to release God's abundance on the earth. And all that is required um, for us is obedience. God will provide the resources. God will override any adverse conditions. And he will ensure that he fulfills his promise. He, will, he does everything for us, but he filters everything through our hands. We co-laborers. God wants to filter it through his people. And we need to, he will test our faithfulness as co-laborers with him. And thirdly, and the last um, principle that I want to look at this morning, comes out of the picture that Mark put up there when he was speaking about his childhood. And there are seasons in our lives when we can't move forward and we're stuck. And I want to just talk for the last few minutes about seasons of stuckness. Because we do find ourselves sometimes in seasons of stuckness where we can't move forward and we can't move backwards. And the reasons we feel like that sometimes, it could be for many reasons, but sometimes it could be finance. You might be stuck in a season of finance where you can't move forward and you can't move backwards. It may be someone else's behaviour has got you into a stuck position. It might be your own behaviour. It might be your own stubbornness has got you into stuckness. And it could be you've made some unwise or you've made some wrong decisions. Or it could be you're embarrassed and now you're in a place of stuckness. It could be that we neglect our spiritual disciplines and we have our hearts have grown cold. But sometimes also things like sentiment and tradition hold us in stuckness. As you know, I've worked in hospice for many years and it's so, so difficult to change things in hospice life because there's so much sentiment there and hurting people's feelings and all this kind of thing. But if they don't move forward, they're going to be left behind like every other organisation in the world. But you know, sentiment and tradition hold us back. And if I were to be given a pound for every time I've heard somebody in my life say, well, it never used to be like this, or why do we have to change? I would be incredibly rich. You know, we get stuck and sentiment and tradition um, will hold us in a place of stuckness, as will our emotions. Our emotions and unforgiveness can hold us in a place of stuckness and sadness and bereavement can hold us as well in a place of stuckness. And sometimes we just need the tender hand of God to push us back out of our stuckness. God never does. I was praying with somebody after the first meeting and she was telling me about in her stuckness, and I'm not betraying her confidence at all, but she was telling me in, about her stuckness. And it was very, very obvious that one area of her stuckness was producing fear. Now, who is the author of fear? You know, God is not the author of fear. And if something in your stuckness is you're afraid to move because it's causing fear, then that is not God. God doesn't come to us with fear the devil is the author of fear. God comes to us with tenderness and with peace and with gentleness and enables us to tell the difference between who is it that's speaking into my head. And, um, and Song of Solomon is a book that I love. It's incredibly poetic and it's about the relationship between God and his church and he relates it in Song of Solomon um, between a relationship between two people, 
But one part of the scripture says this, my beloved spake and he said to me, arise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear in the earth and the time of singing of birds is come and the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. The fig tree putteth forth her green figs and the vines their tender grapes. Um, Give a good smell, arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Spring and new growth will always follow winter. And sometimes we need God to call us out of a season in order to bring us to a place where we can respond. And then Mark put up this picture. And this picture was a picture from his childhood. And it's a picture of a truck that's stuck in the mud, if you weren't here last week. And there's an elephant trying to push the truck backwards out of the mud. And when Mark put up this picture last week, I completely switched off to what he was saying because God was speaking to me so loudly about this picture. And you know, when we are stuck and we keep trying to press on the accelerator, like a truck, the wheels just keep spinning and spinning and we get deeper and deeper in our stuckness. We get so stuck that not only can we not go backwards or forwards, we can actually not go left or right either. And why is that? Because sometimes God will put something up against us that is bigger than ourselves, like that elephant. What other than an elephant could push that truck back? But sometimes God will put something in front of us that is bigger than us, that prevents us from moving forward. Because why? Because the tender-hearted nature of God is trying to push us back. And sometimes that might feel like a backward step. But actually, God is trying to move us out of our stuckness so that we can actually move further on in our life. And sometimes that can be a scary position. Someone who was talking to me this morning again said, it feels very scary to think about moving out of my stuckness. And I said, of course it does. But what you've got to remember is you're never going to beat the elephant. You're never going to beat the elephant and therefore you need to surrender to God and allow God to move you back out of that situation of stuckness. You know, the amazing thing is that when I saw that elephant, I had to smile because in my lifetime of many, many times over when I've been sitting with people, it's very obvious there's an elephant in the room, but nobody wants to talk about it. And sometimes there's a big thing going on in our life that we don't want to talk about. It's very obvious to everyone else, but we don't want to talk about it because it means that actually we're going to have to get pushed back to a position where we can actually get started and get going again. You know, everything we do in life is under God's control and it's not under our control. If you're facing an elephant today that's trying to push you back, you're not going to be able to control it. You may have a season in your life where other things appear to be overwhelming you. I think that if that word has spoken to you this morning, I would love to pray with you after the service. And come and I'll be here. Just come and let's pray through that stuck situation. You don't have to tell me about it if you don't want to. But let's pray through it because I think this morning God is going to help people to move. Winter is over. That's what Song of Solomon says. Winter is over and spring is on its way. And the evidence of spring being on its way was there. The tender voice of God is calling us to come away, to come away. No matter what the season is that you're going through, 
if we can learn to understand God's kingdom principles for managing and negotiating and navigating our way through seasons, seasons, then we will be able to move forward into the next thing that God has for us. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.